Welcome back to World Cup Coffee and Tea at Northwest 18th and Gleason for another OMN Coffee Shop Conversation. I'm Tom D'Antoni. Today, composer, pianist, drummer George Colligan is here. He's headlining the third annual Montevilla Jazz Festival the weekend of August 20 and 21. That's a Saturday and a Sunday. George blew into town. Well, he moved here, but it felt like he blew into town a few years ago, and suddenly you couldn't go anyplace featuring jazz and not see him. He tours internationally with Jack DeJohnette, among others. He teaches and maintains an extremely busy schedule here and everywhere. He has two vastly different programs at the Montevilla Jazz Festival, ending the show both nights. Why don't we find out about them from George Colligan himself? George, welcome to the cupping room. This is where, where we're, we're in the cupping room. It's Happy to be here. Happy to be here. here. It's, a, it's a coffee shop. And yes. That's what they do in here. Although I'm drinking tea. You are, yeah. Yes, that's I quit good. coffee. Which <laughs> you was did? Di- it was difficult. But wow. Yeah, I've been, I was drinking it too much. It was making me jittery and I couldn't sleep. My sleep was really messed up. So oh, man. I actually quit. So now I can't. I mean, uh, who knows? Maybe I'll go back to it someday, yeah. but, but I, I, I have to be careful. It's easy to, it's easy to overdose on coffee when you have kids because <laughs> when, you, when you're sleep-deprived constantly, you just yeah. think it's an easy fix, but in the long term, it's not. You have two now, right? Two, two children, yeah. And they are how old? Six and a half and one and a half. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. So it's normal to have somebody wake up during the night, so... <laughs> You know, but but uh, so yeah, I'm drinking just green tea now or different different yeah. types of yeah, tea. Yeah. You know, did you ever have to quit smoking? No, I never smoked. Me neither. I never smoked tobacco. Well, correct. Yes, I, <laughs> you always have to qualify that. Right, right. Uh, well, yeah, we won't talk about that. No, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I never did either. Uh huh. Never did either. My mother smoked, chain smoked, Chesterfield Kings. Really? Yeah, she was serious. Yeah, my parents smoked when they, because they, they uh, were, I guess you would say they were, you know, kind of coming of age during the Mad Men era, you uh-huh. know, the 60s. Yeah. And everybody smoked. You know, I'm realizing oh, yeah. that now, and I watched, oh, yeah. I watched all of the Mad Men episodes. Oh, yeah. and everybody. Just amazed Constantly. at the smoking and drinking. It's crazy. Right. Right, and yeah. uh, and they had ashtrays in airplanes. Right, exactly. <laughs> Built on uh, the, the armrest. It was everywhere, <laughs> and, and people forget how prevalent that was. You know? Yeah, yeah. So, well, I, I yeah, well, good. So neither one of us ever. I mean, I, I smoked cigars for years and years and years. Oh, really? Yeah, which I loved, and I still wish I could, but I can't. Right, I feel. Um, you. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was. It, but I didn't have like a withdrawal. Uh-huh. I stopped smoking cigars. I don't know. I, anyway. Well, maybe they don't put nicotine in cigars. Oh, no. They, I'm sure there's nicotine in cigars. It's yeah. tobacco. Well, it's, it's too bad because now you could probably, I'm sure the day is coming when Cubans will be not. I, I might have to, I might, I might have to risk my health when, when, <laughs> when although, Just to try I, it. although I've smoked Cubans. Just Cubans to try it. Yeah. Before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, let's see. We've got the Montevilla Jazz Festival, Festival coming up again. Yes, and, exactly. Uh, which is uh, one of my favorite fest- festivals, maybe my, uh, it, except for the fact that St. John's is under the bridge and so beautiful. Yes. Um, I, as far as just pure music goes, I think Montevilla is my favorite. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's serious cats. Yeah. Know? Well, it's <laughs> the thing, there's a lot of things 
that I like about the Montevilla. I mean, I guess it's just the kind of guy I am that like I I just have an appreciation for more of a grassroots type of a thing, mm-hmm. you know. Um, not to say, I mean, most most jazz festivals tend to be people that do are doing it for the love of the music anyway. But to me, this is um, it celebrates local cats more yeah. than other mm-hmm. festivals. <laughs> I, I, everybody knows what I'm talking about, but I'm just saying that, that we have another festival. Well, that I know, and you're has, absolutely right. Well, I mean, and that's <laughs> yeah. great too, because yeah. Yeah. in some ways, the PDX festival, um, that fulfills the need of bringing the talent, the, the international and national mm-hmm. acts that we don't get yeah. here yeah. because we don't have the money. So we can get, you know, Branford Marsalis, so those, those mm-hmm. types of people, mm-hmm. um, you know, Gary Peacock, yeah. Uh, yeah. whoever, you know, the tons. I mean, there's right. huge, it's a huge festival. Um, I, I think that we can't, there's so much great talent here. And I think that, here, here's what bothers me about this, because this is not just PDX, but this is yeah. any major jazz festival. Uh-huh. The question is, how much is the local community involved? And I hate to even say local because I don't, you know, to think of like, oh, Portland musicians it's, or local. Yeah. It's just, it's just great cats that live here. Yeah. It's a big difference. Yeah. So um, I, I personally, I think that if you can get people to come out to hear the national groups, if you incorporate the local groups, mm-hmm. that gets the, the whole yeah. ball rolling mm-hmm. because it shows people because if people come out and all they see is international groups then they don't know they're yeah. still not developing the awareness of what's happening in town mm-hmm. and so they just come to the festival and they go home it's right. like people going to church Christmas and New Year's yes you know? it's exactly like that as opposed to saying hey we have wow I heard Brand from Marcellus but I also heard Daryl Grant you know what I mean or like yeah. I heard yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Dee Dee Bridgewater, but I also heard Marilyn Keller, whoever. You know what I mean? Like right. that that sort of thing. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. It, it and it makes it easier because then you're really developing fans as opposed to just people who come because oh, there's so much marketing. But but uh-huh. if you get people curious about what's going on in town, you know, some, because to me, there's people here that are as good if not better than the, the national local acts. I mean, sure. and whether it's a competition is, is, is not, that's not the issue. The issue is these people are not less talented because they live here. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? I mean, Chuck Israels is here. Right. He's on more classic records. He played with Bill Evans for six years. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on, you know? Mm-hmm. So anyway, you so know, the, the, Mo- the Montevilla Festival. Well, before, before oh, we, go the, ahead. The, the, the thing is um, that's changed here in, in that regard is when I first came here, which is 19 years ago now, there were a lot more guys who lived here but made their money on the road. I don't think there are as many as there used to be. Mm-hmm. I don't think you find, because, of, because it's so expensive to live here now, I don't think you find as many musicians moving here because it's cheap right. and then going on the road. Do you find that? Um. I th- well, I haven't heard of anybody moving here yeah. to make it a base of operations. I mean, I know Dan Balmer used to go on the road a lot, yeah. but I, but he's from here. 
Right. So I mean, like, I do know that there are some musicians who move to the Southwest, uh-huh. or maybe somewhere somewhere in the South, maybe Florida, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. because they don't want to live in New York and they want some place that's cheap, yeah, and but nice, and they can fly anywhere, right. and so they sort of have that mentality. Like if you're mm-hmm. if you're not, you know. If you feel like you don't need to be in New York City anymore, and some people just love New York, and I, I, I understand that. Mm-hmm. But you know, so you've been here about five years. Here, I've been here five years. Five years, what I yeah. thought. Yeah, I was in yeah. New York about fifteen years. Yeah. So sometimes I miss it. Yeah. yeah. But at the same time, I think when you get to a certain level, you, where you don't want or need to be. Just doing gigs all the time, and I uh-huh. mean, New, New York is like harder than ever. Like the rents, yeah. I kind of got off the New York train, so to speak. Uh-huh. You know, like uh-huh. I I owned a place in Queens, uh-huh. and you know, if I had hung on to it, maybe I could have stayed. But um, my pursuit was more. I, I wanted to pursue education because yeah. I don't want to travel all the time. Yeah. I mean, I was traveling all the time, and that wouldn't be good for my family yeah. as it stands. Yeah. I still travel some, but not six months out of the year. That mm-hmm. would be really difficult, mm-hmm. I think. Um, but that's what I did in New York for 15 years, just yeah. freelanced. Uh, mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm sort of going off the tangent. Okay. But I think, I think living, yeah, I, I know Joey DeFrancesco lives in, like, Scottsdale or something. Really? Yeah, Scottsdale, Arizona, wow. I think. And... Um, you know, there's people who do that who are just like, okay, when I'm home, I'm home. Yeah. And I'm not yeah. making yeah. local gigs. And yeah. I'm, I'm just, I mean, yeah. I can understand that. But you're you right. Know? Most of the guys who, who live here and now who live here and travel are from here. Yeah. I was thinking, you know. Although uh, uh, Chuck is from New York. Right. I think he just really liked Portland. Yeah. yeah. You know, but, yeah. and, you know, he's, he's retired from teaching. And, right. You know, I don't think he's going on the road a lot, but, um, mm-hmm. I think he'd like to be playing more, and I, I feel the same. I feel like, you know, I don't, I can't, it's hard for me to play well if I only play when I'm traveling, you know what I mean? Right. Or, or only play like once a month, that's, mm-hmm. or, you know, once every six months. There's no way I could keep up my skills. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I'd just be very frustrated. So it'd be nice to have more places to play more. Yeah, really. But that's, that's, that's a long conversation. It is. So, anyway, the okay. Montevilla Festival, yeah. what's great about it uh-huh. is that it, it celebrates the local musicians and it celebrates original music and, and real creativity. And I think that's a good balance to some of the other things. Yeah, and it's you run know? by local musicians. And it's run by local musicians. So, I mean, yeah. because right. of that, I feel more like I want to help them. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. I, I, um, I just appreciate what they're doing. I, be- I believe in it. I wish I could... Mm-hmm do it myself but i haven't figured that out so uh-huh. th- I, I admire what they've done and, and this is their third year third year yeah yeah and i, yeah. I only see it getting better right I they think. found they found a much better place the second year than they had the first year yes because <laughs> I, I i i mc every year and right uh, that, that that first year was was fun but it was that was a little tough yeah <laughs> a little tough it was very hot yeah and very dark yeah <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, in some ways, that's what people are doing. They're just right. doing it themselves. They rent a theater and and uh, and get people to come out. You know what I mean? So you have two performances. Yes. And they're different. They are different. <laughs> but 
similar because <laughs> I'm, I'm Cause on both of them. That's yeah. the common denominator, I suppose. <laughs> so Saturday night, you have, uh, you're doing Fathers and Sons with the Portland Jazz Composers Ensemble. What is that? Uh, it is a uh, multi-movement, through-composed, thematic, programmatic, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, newly newly composed commissioned work for the PJCE, which is mm-hmm. their, their typical lineup is 12 pieces. Mm-hmm. It's like two trumpets, trombone, French horn, soprano, alto, tenor, baritone saxophone, and then rhythm section with guitar, piano, bass drums. Wow. And um, so just, just from the technical standpoint, <clears throat> it's... Um, it is. It is. There's not really supposed to be any break, and if if we do a lot of improvising, which is what I want, because uh-huh. there's written material, there's improvised material. Uh-huh. Um, should be about an hour, you know. But I, I've never done anything like this. I've never been asked to do anything like this. Uh, besides, well, I did. I did do. I mean, I don't get asked often to write major works, but uh-huh. like this was. A commissioned work, and I've so I've written it specifically for this event for these cats, uh-huh. and um, so I'm excited about it. I mean, it's it's a it's a learning process, you know what I mean? I mean, a lot of it's not impossible to write for a large group. I mean, I think a lot of people. Uh-huh. I think that in olden times when everything was written by hand, yeah. that was really what took the most time right. was saying, I got to have somebody write out all the parts. Yeah. And if you had to do that by hand, that was a major task. Now with computer software, we can do it much faster mm-hmm. and it's much easier. So that's, that's made it easier for me. Like if I had to write it all by hand, it would have taken three or four times as long. Uh-huh. Was, so, the, was the major challenge the number of instruments? Uh, I think just making sure, yeah, I think so. Just, I mean, just sort of like thinking, okay, how is this going to work? Just, just logistics, you know. Um, am I writing something that's too hard? Am I writing something that's uh. too boring, you know? <laughs> uh, and, and, all, and the other thing, too, was like, because this this sort of leads into the programmatic aspect. It's basically like a it's a tribute to my past and future. So, mm-hmm. um, just basically Colligan men, you know, mm-hmm. my great great grandfather Peter Colligan came to this country. Uh, I was told he was an indentured servant, you know, and just thinking about what his experience was like what it took for him to come from Ireland to mm-hmm. to um, the United States, you know, and then and of course I didn't know him, obviously. But, yeah. And I didn't know my great-grandfather either, although there's a picture of me as a baby with him, but <laughs> but he was kind of on his way out, but he was apparently yeah. a firefighter for huh. um, uh, New York City, you know, for Br- Brooklyn, Brooklyn Fire Department. Wow. And, you know, just what was his life like you know, in the early 20th century, you know. And then um, my grandfather, I have have memories of, Uh um, you know, his his personality and, and, you know, and, of course, 
my um, my father. A lot of it has to do with my father, and it's just sort of a whole thing about about lineage and history and and like what what does one family member give to another, and what mm-hmm. what what stays, what changes, you know, just generations, you know, just thinking about that and trying to mm-hmm. express that in a musical way, and then a, a lot of it is sort of dealing with my relationship with my father, which is mm-hmm. at sort of very unresolved because he died suddenly uh-huh. uh, about 11 years ago. Wow. And I mean, I, I'm all, I joke, I mean, it's not a funny joke because my mother also passed away suddenly more recently and I'm sort of like, well, I, I, it's hard, I can't even grieve for my mother because I haven't grieved for my father yet. You yeah, know what I mean? It's yeah. like, yeah. I, I just sort of therapeutically, I haven't um, come to come to terms with with those things or, or really spent I have to admit I haven't spent a lot of time mm-hmm. exploring it I've sort of just moved on moved on without really moving on you know what I mean without yeah. dealing with it so yeah, it's like yeah. I've sort of put it out of my mind um, I don't because in some ways there's not a lot that can be done but I think it's something that I should at least explore has this piece helped you uh Maybe when I hear it, maybe oh. when I hear it with a real group, it uh-huh. might help me, uh-huh. you know. And then yeah. it's also just thinking about the next generation, my sons, right. you know, and right. their personality. So it's yeah. sort of, it's sort of just impressions of people, you know, mm-hmm. um, in the same way that um, pictures in an exhibition, mm-hmm. you know, Mazorsky mm-hmm. is impressions mm-hmm. of paintings, you know. Musical ex- musical impressions of paintings. Yeah, so it's it's yeah. it's that, and 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 so some of it is based on the energy and the mood and the, the just the vibe of whatever whatever that piece is about. But but then it's sort of thematic. There's themes that uh-huh. occur and come back. Just like you know, there's things that I do that you know, like uh, that probably represent the influence of my father and there's things that my yeah. sons will do yeah. that will be the influence of me and, and right. so on and going back going forward you yeah. know yeah. Um, was your father musical uh, sort of he was not a musician at all mm-hmm. but he liked music he appreciated music and he had a decent record collection and, and one thing he used to do is he would speaking of impressionism he would sit down at the piano again he was not a pianist yeah. but he would sit down uh and usually i was on his lap and he would mm-hmm. um make make up a tone poem <laughs> he would just so he was a princess and he would play in the high register and then uh-huh. he'd say and she loved this prince and he'd play in the middle register but uh-huh. there was a monster uh, you know and he just kind of is that uh, in the piece no. Oh. <laughs> That's another piece. I got to work on that one. <laughs> I got to develop that one, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it, I, I'm, I'm really excited about it. I, I'm anxious to see how it comes, comes off with the band, you know. Yeah. Have you had any rehearsals yet? No, we're going to have two rehearsals ah. uh, coming up. Two rehearsals, two long rehearsals. Yeah. I, you know, I, I don't really see anything about it being technically hard to execute Mm -hmm. but um you know i think just making sure that it makes sense and the dynamics make sense and and all that kind of stuff uh i I think it's going to be fine um 
Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to hear, and I, I'm, I hope that the audience is gonna, gonna dig it, you know. And, and it's some great soloists, you know. I mean, oh. we have Joe Manis, we have Tim Wilcox, nice. we have uh, John Moak, uh-huh. we have Chris Brown, huh. um, Ryan Mars. Of course, Ryan's part of the festival, but um, right. we have. Um, uh, who else is playing? Thomas Barber is playing. Uh-huh. Um, of course, Doug Dietrich is playing. Uh-huh. Um, a bunch of other people. I'm playing piano. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So that'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean by that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what does that I'll, mean? I'll give it a shot. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's the Saturday. Yeah. 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 And then Sunday, you got a, a, a trio. Yeah, Sunday is going to be, uh, I think we're closing the festival. It's going to be yeah. myself, Boris Kozlov on bass, and Rudy Royston on drums. Tell us about Boris Kozlov. I know a lot of people don't know who he is. Yeah, well, that's a shame. And I, I think he's one of the more underrated bassists anywhere. You In know? the city of bass players. New York? No, Portland. Uh, oh, he's from New York? Yeah, yeah, he's oh, from New York. Gotcha. Well, he's actually from... Moscow, and I mm-hmm. like to joke with him and say he's not from Moscow, Russia. He's from Moscow, former Soviet Union, because he grew up in Soviet times. Wow. So he has a oh. very interesting, if you get him talking, he's got a very interesting perspective. Hmm. You know, he's got a great sense of humor, but sometimes that Russian seriousness yes. can be, yes. uh, it can be hard for people to understand, especially in America. Like, we, oh, yeah. we don't realize how good we have it. I've been to Russia six times. Yeah. And Russia is... Not fun. It's different. Yeah. It's different, and I, I think you really appreciate just on a level of like, hey, it's not just doom and gloom. It's not a mm-hmm. real... It's not... I mean, yeah, everybody's got a different perspective, you know, mm-hmm. and, and but if you're generally a middle-class person, mm-hmm. you know, you have a lot to be thankful for because yeah. Russia is... is uh, even now, it's still, it's 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 a tough it's a tough life yeah. over there, yeah. you know. And if you're poor, then it's even tougher, you know. And yeah. and in a way, for a lot of those people, the czars, communism, never stop. Whatever it is now, it doesn't right. it hasn't made a difference in right. their lives. They're right. just like oh, it's just yeah. the same, pretty much. We're just miserable. Yeah. You know, yeah. so it's it's a hard. So he he he's not he, he doesn't live there any longer, right, Boris? No, no, no. He's okay. been in the states since '91. He's in New York. Yes, he's in New York, yeah. And he's, we've yeah. played a lot together. He's made a couple of my records, and we've uh-huh. done a lot of traveling. Um, he, uh, we played a lot with the Mingus Band uh-huh. in various configurations. The Mingus Band, the mm-hmm. b- Big Band Orchestra, the Dynasty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we put in a lot of time together. And he's a great person and a great player. And People what kind do. of bass player is he? Is he lyrical, percussive? What does he do? He's everything. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he can do it all. He's he's a mother, you know. Wow. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. And Rudy? Rudy is also, um, he's originally from Denver, uh-huh. and he moved to New York rather late in his career. I think, was he 37? He was in his 30s. Yeah. And a lot of people move in their 20s mm-hmm. or earlier and uh, he decided to wait. And he has a family, too. And um, he's, it paid off for him because he's starting to become one of the cats, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's highly in demand, and he's doing stuff as a leader, too. Yeah. 
So um, he is a very exciting player. You know, he's mm-hmm. kind of he's got some of the older information, but he's into some of the the newer guys. You know, mm-hmm. and so he can be very exciting and very sensitive. Mm-hmm. Mega chops. Always musical though. Great, great sound. Great groove. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people are going to be very happy. <laughs> no one will ask for a refund. <laughs> Give me my money back! God damn it! I was expecting. Uh, You're right. I was expecting Duke Ellington. You know? Right. Yeah, really. um, you never. A, not, you never know. I no, mean, no, nobody's expecting Duke Ellington at this. Well, at this, I, I at do. This jazz festival. One thing we we joke about with the when we were with the Mingus band is that so many people thought. They want. They would ask, like, "Is is Mingus going to come out?" Oh yeah. <laughs> is he okay? No, he died in 1979. He's not okay. <laughs> you know, or they thought Frank Lacey was Charles Mingus. Somehow. Oh really? Like, oh, that must oh, be Mingus. Geez. You know, it's crazy. Did you ever see Mingus? No, no, no. I, no, I didn't. Oh. For real? No, I oh. saw Sue Mingus a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I remember uh, I, I was at the cellar door in D.C. Okay. Club and cellar, in D.C. called the cellar door. Right. Uh, is that still there? If I, no. I don't no. think so. Anyway. Um, and uh, I got there early to get a good seat. And there he was just sitting at the piano. He's playing piano. It wasn't with the gig. It wasn't part of oh, the he gig. Was just was, he just came out, out to, to, to fuck around. Okay. And it was amazing. Yeah. It was amazing just to hear. Oh, yeah. He was a great pianist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a record that... Some people say maybe it could have influenced Keith Jarrett. His really? Solo, his solo record. Why, did he make noises? What? <laughs> did he make noises? No, I don't think so. <laughs> no. But, but, I mean, that, that type of free-form yeah. improvisation, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, he's on a uh, – he plays a solo piece on a jazz, a, a jazz fest record from the 70s. Okay. I, 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 yeah, I have that. But anyway, uh, we could talk about – yeah, yeah. Because all day. But, yeah. Well, it's cool but, you got to see him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, saw him a, I saw him a few times. Because yeah. we had a, a play, the, the Left Bank Jazz Society in Baltimore. Yeah, of course, yeah. Was uh, legendary. Yeah, it's too bad. I kind of missed all that excitement, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. I mean, the Left Bank did a few concerts when I was in town. I mean, uh-huh. I saw Sun Ra through the Left Bank when they were oh, doing yeah. it at Coppin State. Oh, yeah. That's not the same. No, it's not. It's not the famous ballroom, no, which is no, now, no. who knows what it is I now. I think it's part of the Charles Theater. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, um, and I also saw Billy Harper uh-huh. through them. Yeah. You know. No, it was a great scene. It was yeah. First of all, it was one of the first completely integrated scenes in Baltimore. Exactly. Yeah, that was Wasn't there really a guy, important. Floyd, was Floyd with them? He's like, maybe that was later. Maybe he's uh, part of them I later. Remember. You're asking me people's names? Get them a break. <laughs> anyway, um, so, yeah, yeah, I had great times there. I, I interviewed Sun Ra there at, cool. at the Left Bank. Yeah. What was that like? That must have been incredible. Fabulous. <laughs> fabulous. You talk about Saturn? <laughs> yes. Yes, he told me that he was, that's where he was from. <laughs> right. And I believed him. Uh-huh. Why not? Right. And, you know, and it was one of those things where, you know, like he, the whole band got up and and marched around the room for spaces to place with their little hops. Mm-hmm. And then people got behind them. And, and it, was, it, was, it was a great scene. It was just a great scene. It's a great yeah. scene. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, that, that, uh, that, t- that was a TV story. And that, that unfortunately, it was lost forever. Oh. I know. Huh. Shame. Okay. Um, 
Anyway, I got it on I got it on on, on Evening Magazine on commercial TV. I couldn't believe it. Evening yeah. Magazine, really? Yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That's heavy. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it <Okay>. was. <laughs> right. Okay. So, um, what are you guys going to do, in this trio? Uh, we're going to play my music and yeah. just burn it out. All right. <laughs> That's basically <laughs> it. And and I mean, it'll be obviously different music from the from the Saturday. Well, sure. Sure. You know. Yeah. But yeah, I mean. I'm I'm supposed to do a record um, in uh, late August in mm-hmm. New York. I'm I'm doing a recording with these guys. Well, uh, Linda O is going to play bass. Ah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm going to maybe work on some stuff for that. I'm not sure yet. I have too much music as it is, so I haven't <laughs> decided exactly what what I'm going to play. I got to narrow it down to probably about ten tunes, unless I do a double record, which I don't think yeah. we have time for. But still, yeah. You know, um, what does that process involve? Narrowing it down. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to explain it. It's just sort of like you kind of have to go by it's it's part logic and part instinct. Yeah, because Isn't everything. <laughs> I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, it's the art the artistic process of just figuring out what which tunes are your favorites. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Which ones? Because you never know. Like there's tunes that I think suck and people uh-huh. are like oh that's a great tune i'm like yeah i know okay whatever yeah and then there's tunes i think are interesting and people don't respond to so i mean so <laughs> it's always it, you know i mean in some ways i think just we're at such a a time now where i think jazz musicians are really trying to figure out how to i think we're spending too much time trying to figure out how to reach people mm-hmm. but i don't I still believe that if somebody is recognized as a great artist, I don't think it's their job to, I mean, there's, you know, people say give people what they want, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that's one philosophy. But another philosophy is like, do what you believe is right. I mean, to me, that's what the artistic temperament is about, is, is, is about you you believe in what you're doing and you have something to express mm-hmm. and whether the audience gets it maybe they will eventually or they should they should want to receive what you're giving them right rather than hey do this tune you know what i mean or like do something that's we can dance to you know what i mean like that's yeah, yeah. but I, I can see that there's a place for both you know what i mean i uh-huh. i mean if I mean, like a pop group is, is a different sensibility. Popular music yeah. is... But even within jazz. Yes. Even within jazz. I can't tell you how many albums I get in the mail of a really attractive woman singing standards. <laughs> I mean, that, I get a million of those. Yeah. You know, and they all sound the same. Yes. There's nothing wrong with them. Right. You know, except I don't want to hear the songs anymore. Right. Pretty much. You know? are, they, are some of them good singers? Yeah, most of them are good singers. Mm-hmm. But that's not the point. Well, I mean, again, you're you're a different kind of cat. I mean, yeah. I, it's like the training, our society, I think, it, it's it's not as common for people to have an open mind right. to say, hey, what is this person, to hear yeah. things and, and hear them for what they are rather than yeah. what they aren't. You know, if somebody hears an original tune, some people are like, I've never heard this before. This is amazing. And some people are like, 
can you do a song by you know right. Cole Porter? You know what I mean? Yeah. Which is not to say that that's bad. There's a time and a place for that. Right. But and in fact, jazz musicians are always taking familiar material and making mm. their own thing out of it, which right. is another discussion. But uh, I think just in terms of like wanting to hear something new and something different, I think it's that just that philosophy of like what what are you going to hear music? What what do you want to what do you want to hear? Do you want to be surprised? Do you want to be intrigued? Do you want... Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, it's like... I, I understand the hit factor. You know what I mean? Like, somebody has a hit, or it's like you, you hear a song that you know, and you feel good about it. You're like, oh, I know that song. If you hear a whole... I mean, but I can do anything. I can go and hear somebody play all standards that I know uh-huh. and be satisfied. I can also hear... I mean... Um, I went. I was in um, Birmingham, and I went to hear this concert by a pianist named Bobby Avey. Mm-hmm. And this was the hardest music I've ever heard. And really? the musicians I talked to them afterwards, yeah. oh, just pages of music. It was more like yeah. through composed 20th century classical music. Wow. And it was, but wow. I, I was enthralled the whole time because I was. Mm-hmm. I wanted to understand, but even when I didn't understand, I was still moved by the energy and by the you know just being impressed and being moved it was mm-hmm. like coming from a real place yeah so i yeah. mean if somebody went to that concert and said oh they didn't play any standards right they're missing the boat they should go elsewhere right the, you know? the, the, those are the kind of people who call it noise exactly yeah. well that's just because they don't understand it they but like if it, they yes. would just give it a second i know you know i mean on the other hand some people you, 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 you can never be reached it's tough i think it's probably true Unfortunately, it's tough it's, it's sad to say right but, you know. Well, a mind is a terrible thing to waste. Yes. <laughs> very, very true. Very true. I remember, uh, did you ever know Michael, Haber- Michael uh, Haberman? No. From, from uh, Peabody Conservatory? Doesn't he had a, he, he was a pianist. Uh, what he, year? Because I was there he, he, 87 he, to 91. Yeah, was before that. Okay. Uh, well, I don't know. He was, he, probably, he was probably still there then. Huh. Yeah, because he was still living in Baltimore. He was a when, teacher? Yeah, he was a teacher. But he was a guy who played the works of Sarabji. Which was the densest, mo- most complicated stuff that had ever been written. And Sarabji allowed only Michael Haberman to play his works. <laughs> right? Wow. This guy was, it was in, he was, he was of, um, of Indian descent, but he was, I mean, Sarabji, but he lived, Sarabji. In, lived in England, right? Okay. He was really English. And uh, Haberman like, stumbled across, the ma- across a manuscript of his in Mexico City one time okay. and just totally blew his mind. He had like six staves. I mean, it was like <laughs> crazy stuff. Piano but, music? Yeah, or? yeah. It would, take, it would take Haberman like two, two years to, for one piece, right, okay. to, to master one piece. And he did it, Yeah, you know. Uh, but, you know, uh, he, what did he, 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 he didn't sell, you know, 500 records, you know right, what I'm saying? Right, right, right. You know, it was like, the, and luckily he was my next door neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> wow, okay. I, he, had a, he had a roommate who couldn't play at all. Uh-huh. Uh, but Michael let him bang away, right? And it would drag, like, drive me nuts. You know, I actually, I actually banged on the wall a few times. And, and, he, and Haberman came over, like, the next day with, a, with an album of his to give to me and, and, and apologize for this guy's playing. And I said, well, wait a minute, you're the other guy that plays? Yes. 
Well, it sounds like your music is coming from heaven. <laughs> wow. So, you know, um, uh, you, have a, you have geniuses who just never get heard. Right, right, sure. You know? Well, I mean... In that way, you, you, you know, you, you must feel lucky that you've had so many recordings and have, been, and have had your work documented so much. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course. I mean, yeah. I, you know, uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, and you, you look at a lot of artists. I mean, you know, what was really interesting to me is when I reread the Ted Joya History of Jazz book, mm-hmm. how many of the musicians that are considered historically important died penniless or died of tuberculosis. Right. You know what I mean? Like right. the greats, they just right. never made any money you right. know what I mean and, and, and never got any appreciation you know what I mean it's not yeah. to say that they didn't have some kind of active career but still like they just never you know tragic circumstances yeah. you know so the fact yeah. that I've made it into my 40s is a big deal yeah to compa- I mean the, yeah. the musical yeah. Yeah. Um, life expectancy right <laughs> you know, the life yeah. expectancy of musicians yeah. Yeah. used to be I think somewhat low you know it's a hard it's a hard life you know yeah. and, and, and to not and and they didn't know. I mean, Charlie Parker, one of the greatest musicians to ever live, you right. know, died at 35 right. and made no money. You right. know what I mean? Had yeah. little to show for, yeah. you know. So, yeah. But but yeah. To, to, I mean, there are a lot of incredible musicians that are not. And so it's like I think that's. So getting back to what I was saying, I think music, jazz musicians now, even ones that have very. Um, uh, have a lot of integrity in terms of like mm-hmm. their message, what they're trying to express as artists. I think we still try to figure out what's, if even if in a friendly situation, what's going to work the best. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. you, in some ways, you just say, well, if I was in the audience, what would right. I like to hear? Right. You know what I mean? So I did a piece one time on um, Mel Brown's septet, mm-hmm. and 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 talked with, um, I guess it was Stan Bach, one of the guys. And he was telling me how they do play continuously. They don't. They, 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 their whole set. They don't stop. Right. They call things from the stand from from the bandstand. Call tunes from the bandstand. But when they when they first started and Thera was more active, he would he would survey the audience when they first got up there, and 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 take their temperature. Hmm. You know. To see what what he thought he, he what he thought would work best, yeah, you know, because you know if you have ever seen their book, it's that thick, it's really mm-hmm. thick, yeah, um, and uh, so you know, I mean that that's a little extreme, but you know, but uh, uh, I don't know, it's, mm. it's 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 a tough call, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, yeah. you never know. I mean. Uh, but you don't, you don't, you don't get, uh, um, you don't get any hostility. <laughs> Not usually. No, I, I can't recall that I've ever been booed That's off good. the stage. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> um, I've had a few little run-ins. I would say. I mean. I've definitely had some negative experiences. Really? Well, Maybe not a lot lately, but. Yeah. I know somebody complained about my music at um, uh, at a local restaurant. Really? Yeah. Somebody somebody complained. Jeez. Oh, but I just don't play there anymore. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I'm, I'm tr- there was I think one funny incident 
this is many years. This is uh, 1994. I'll never forget this. Again, I wasn't booed because it wasn't a concert. It was, <laughs> it was a, a little thing. My father was putting on this hospice regatta. Mm-hmm. Upstate New York. He had a marina upstate New York. And uh, it was to raise money for hospice, mm-hmm. you know. And so I and my girlfriend at the time, we went up to perform with two local, like a local bass trainer, a mm-hmm. local drummer. And uh, so they, they came and we were just playing, you know, playing jazz tunes, whatever. And so we played one thing outdoors and then we played another thing that was part of a lunch, you know, and there's like food over here we're playing, yeah. you know, just... Just background music, right. pretty much. Right. So I'm playing standards, and I'm trying to, you know, I'm like, well, nobody's really listening. I'm just going to play how I play, and I'm just going to yeah. try to stretch it out, you know, yeah. whatever. So, and again, not getting much, no one's even really acknowledging our presence. So, yeah. so this old guy comes up, and he says, <laughs> uh, I think, I, at, the, at the time, I, I just assumed he's just making a request, and he says, do you guys, can you guys play Mac the Knife or something? <laughs> I was like, well, I, th- I think I could probably play Mac the Knife. And he was like, because what you're playing is bullshit. <laughs> I said, excuse me? He said, what you're playing is bullshit. I'm sorry. So he, he walked away, and I was shaking. I was, like, so upset. And I said, well, uh, let's just try to play Mac the Knife. And so, I, But I couldn't, I couldn't play. I was so angry. And yeah. I just said, you know, let's just take a break. So I walked outside, and I just kind of, like, Walked around in a circle like, and 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 so I, I um, I said I'm not going to let this guy get away with it. So I walked over. He was sitting with like his daughter or something, and I said, "Excuse me, sir. Um, you have the right to your opinion, but you have no right to speak to me that way." And so he looked up at me and he said. What you were playing was bullshit. Bullshit. And so my father came over. He saw what was happening. He said, "Jack." You're drunk. If you don't shut up right now, I'm going to take you outside and kick your ass. <laughs> so then I said, you know what? This gig is over. I'm, just, I'm calling it right now. This is, the button on this story, totally yeah. true. Yeah. Six months later, I get a letter from this guy. Ah. And he says, dear George, I'm so sorry to have maligned your music and to have I've been an embarrassment to my to my family and I'm just, I just really wanted to deeply apologize and I just want to wish you luck in your career <laughs> and I showed this to people and they were like oh he's probably in a 12-step program oh right to make amends. right 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 you know? <laughs> so yeah so that's the most memorable time that I've received that sort of uh, wow uh, feedback, as it were. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I remember the, uh, the first time I started, I, I ever played soul music on KMHD was way back when they were back at, at the old place at, uh-huh. at Mount Hood Community College. I was doing Saturday nights. It was after midnight. And I played, I don't know, the Delphonics or something. Mm-hmm. And you'd have thought I killed Jesus. Because <laughs> really? I started getting phone calls. Really? How dare you? This is a jazz station. What's wrong with you playing that stuff? Wow. Well, the jazz police were very, very vigorous in those days. What year was this? This was about 2007. Really? Down in there, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's deep. Um, (laughs) 
Oh, you know, I mean, everybody's got an opinion. I mean, you know, right. it's it's you can't. And the thing is, there, there's the studio line. You know, you, you know, you can just call and vent. Right, right, and tell right. Tell them what you don't like. Uh, but I get very little of that now. Mm-hmm. Very little. Well, Portland people right. are more passive aggressive. I suppose. <laughs> totally passive aggressive. <laughs> that's the personality of Portland, Oregon. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and probably uh, uh, I, I, that's probably changing given the the influx of Californians, but because uh, they have a tendency to be just aggressive. Yeah, <laughs> annoyingly aggressive. Yes, yeah. right. especially in their driving. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm know, feeling I'm good. I, I, sometimes I feel like, okay, I need to start driving like I did on the East Coast. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah, they're, well, they're impatient. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and I can understand that, you know, but uh, <laughs> you don't want to get in an accident, you know. I mean, in L.A., there's just room to drive. Everything is right. structured around that. It's yeah. not that way yeah. here. Yeah. I mean, yeah. not only is is it just a smaller place, uh-huh. but, um, you know, the roads can't handle it. Right. So uh, that's... So will you will you uh, rehearse with, uh, with, 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 the, with the trio, or do you need to rehearse with the trio? Uh... I mean, we might have a little. We might run some stuff. I, yeah. I don't see it. We don't need to have a deep rehearsal. Uh-huh. They're professionals, and yeah. the stuff that I gave them. I mean, there might be a couple things. We'll have to see. We might have some time, but pr- not not anything. Because I, I think bo- they both get in the day before uh-huh. at night. I think. So. so when you're rehearsing for Fathers and Sons, yes. Um, are you are you like hands on? What I want. This is what I want. Well, what's, what's your style of, of leading? <laughs> that's a good. That's a good question. Thank you. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I do not consider myself a control freak. Uh-huh. You know, so I, I believe that one of the great things about jazz is that it can be anything. Mm-hmm. And I think if you have collaborators, like if you want to play a solo gig, that's fine. Then yeah. everything is up to you. Um, I think if you have good collaborators and you respect them, you should let them do what they do. You shouldn't try to micromanage them because it's only it, it it's not necessarily going to yield satisfactory results. You might get better results by just letting people play how they play mm. and maybe bring something that you never imagined to uh-huh. it. it uh-huh. I mean, that's what Miles Davis did. Yeah. He just hired great people. Uh-huh. He got all the credit. That's right. what's right. really genius. Him and Duke Ellington. Yeah. They just used people, let them flourish. They didn't say, oh, this is my music. You got to do it this way. You know, uh-huh. they just said, hey, let's, here's, here's, here's some stuff. Let's play, you know. And I mean, Miles was definitely that way. He didn't give a lot of yeah. direction. Yeah. Because how's he gonna? What's he gonna say to Tony Williams? You know what I mean? Right. Or Ron Carter or Herbie yeah. Hancock? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, he was never, from all accounts, and I mean, I know people who played with him. They said he was, he was not a micromanager. I mean, he might mm-hmm. give a little advice now and then, but he wasn't like because a lot of his stuff was sketches anyway. I mean, like Bitches Brew, for example. Right. Yeah. It's all sketches, and he just called the cast that he thought would make something. Uh-huh out of his music, you uh-huh. know. Okay. Um, I've done gigs with um, Lenny White, two people who were on Bitches Brew, Lenny White and uh, Jack DeJanette. Uh-huh. And Lenny is, 
kind of the other side. He likes to have things a little bit more part-oriented. Mm-hmm. I think uh, that's, you know, because he, he spent a lot of time with Return of Forever, and I think his mentality is a little bit more like a pop production mm-hmm. type of thing. It's like, you know, here's the, here's the arrangement. Let's stick with the arrangement. We can improvise, but, you know, he he wants it. That's just his personalities. He wants a little bit more. It he wants it a li- to be a little bit more controlled, and some of that I think has to do with how he thinks the audience is going to perceive it. You know? Really. Whereas uh, Jack is completely the opposite. It's like whatever happens happens, and it's huh. very free, and there's almost no guidance whatsoever. Wow. You know, and I mean. So I, where where do you fall in, in that? I'm more I'm more spectrum. on the other side because. I just, Which side? I'm more, I'm more on Jack's side. Okay. You know, although yeah. I, I think for certain situations, uh-huh. I think the, the control aspect, I think it's, I mean, again, maybe with certain singers, certain types of arrangements. I mean, and, and uh-huh. this piece, I mean, I think that the notes on the page mm-hmm. should be played. What's on the page should be played, but mm-hmm. there, I've given a lot of space for improvisation because uh, otherwise it's not as fun. You know what I mean? Again, there's going to be some great soloists. I yeah. want them to yeah. once, as long as they basically address the form, uh-huh. I'm not going to tell them much, you know. And yeah. I, I just think yeah. in general, it's like you have to, you have to, it's, it's about time management. Because let's say uh-huh. that we had a whole week to rehearse. Yeah. So then maybe I could pick it apart mm-hmm. if I wanted to which I don't. I don't want to spend a week rehearsing, you know. Because <laughs> to, to me, it's like... And, and it's not to say that, like, I want to deliver a mediocre project, you know. I yeah. think that there's sometimes it's diminishing returns, mm-hmm. you know. If you're just sort of... If you're going to try to control people, you're not going to get the best out of them anyway. They're going yeah. to get frustrated. And that's, that's what I observe a lot is people who... They're very kind of like, well, you have to do this. This has to be like this or it doesn't work. You uh-huh. know, I, I don't see it that way. I mean, I think um, if you have good cats and they're basically playing the music, yeah. then let's, let's see what happens rather than yeah. this is what I expect. Right. You know. Um, and then when they do something that doesn't work, what do you do? Well, <laughs> it depends on which, what... <clears throat> what it means when you say doesn't work like if if there's a train wreck yes that's different from like yeah. oh i didn't like how he approached that uh-huh. you know what i mean like that's that's a different thing would I mean, you give him an alternative approach at that point no i would just say concentrate don't mess up <laughs> you okay. know what i mean like counts <laughs> you know or just or i mean and, and also yeah. once you start performing you can't think in those terms at all yeah and, and that's why I think a lot of people get disappointed after, and they don't, like, <clears throat> there's, there's the value judgment, and there's, there's, like, your positivity, negativity, you know what I mean? And I think, as much as I think that we can, of course, say, uh, objectively, okay, that was a mistake. That was less than desirable. Yeah. But once you start playing, you can't, you you could take note and you or if you're recording you can listen back to it later yeah. and say oh that was less than ideal yeah but um, 
you have to move forward. I, I think a lot of people they just get mad when stuff doesn't go yeah. how it how they envisioned it to go. Yeah. And I yeah. think yeah. if you look at life as a process and you look at music as a process of development, then all of these things are just you just have to you have to get used to it. You have yeah. to you you have to almost almost expect that there's going to be something that isn't going to go according to plan, but it's not whether it happens. It's how do you get out of it? Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, I've had a lot of situations where there'd be train wrecks and it's just like, well, are we going to just sink or swim? You know what I mean? And, (laughs) and so you, you just say, Hey, we're on stage and this music is going to keep going. So we got to figure it out. Somehow we got to get out of this, you know? And that's, that's what's most important, you know what I mean? And yeah. then so, sometimes, like I was just teaching in Port Townsend, and I told my uh-huh. group, that, my combo that I worked with, these students, I said, you know, I think you guys are going to be okay. You know, I don't, I don't uh-huh. envision any major train wrecks. But if you do have a major train wreck, you're going to learn a lot more than yeah. if you don't. Yes. Sometimes the hardest lessons are the best, you know. So that's, that's really important for, for people to learn, like, like how to get out of a bad situation. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like yeah. oftentimes we set it up so it's like, okay, everybody's playing their part. Everybody's cool. What happens if somebody can't hear? What if their monitor doesn't work and they drop a beat or you drop a beat? Uh-huh. So, sometimes it's not really anybody's fault. It's just the fact right. that we're all human. Yeah. And so there can be a miscommunication and then all of a sudden not everybody's not in the right place. Yeah. What yeah. do you do? Yeah. Now... My recommendation is to practice whether you just learn because you've done it on the bandstand a lot Uh or Uh when you're rehearsing, maybe almost practice getting lost. Like we've done that in my (laughs) improv class. Really? I said, okay, I want you guys to start. I take two students. I say, okay, you guys pick this tune, start playing, and I want one of you to just jump to a different part of the tune. (laughs) And see how long it takes you to figure out how to get back. <laughs> and it was really eye-opening. Yeah, I bet. Because you have yeah. to, you're, it's very easy to have the deer in the headlights situation where you're just like, oh, something's wrong and I don't know what to do. Yeah. As opposed to just saying, okay, I hear he's in a different place. Let's, I'll just move. I'll uh-huh. just go with him. You yeah. know what I mean? Or right. I'll, maybe I'll draw him back to where I am. You know, I'm doing uh-huh. this as a trombone. It was a yeah. trombone player than a okay. bass player. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? So, so that's, and again, if you, if you think of it, there's two things. One is your, your outlook. If you have a negative outlook, you're like, oh, he's, he's in the wrong place. He's screwing up. We're, we're, everyone hates us. You know what I mean? Like everyone's looking at us, you know, as opposed yeah, yeah. to just like, oh, Okay, I think he's in another place. Let me, right. you know, yeah, just like yeah, if yeah. we were having this conversation, you yeah, know what I mean? Like, yeah. if I misunderstood something, I would just say, right. "Yeah, hey, or what are you, what are you talking about?" The fuck are you talking about? Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, um, you know, it's interesting though uh, because I can see where you rehearsing with these guys for fathers and sons, yes, would be a lot different from you rehearsing students because first of all, they all know you. Yeah. Of course, they respect you, but you're also... <laughs> Let's hope so. <laughs> yeah, but you, know, but, but, you know, you know these cats. Yeah. You know, uh-huh. and you've played with them before and all that. And then you've got these students, say, the, one, the ones yes. in Washington, yes. who are going like, 
oh, man, this is a major cat. I don't want to fuck up. Right, right, right. Because I ran into it, that, that same kind of problem with Ron Blessinger brought in Steve Reich years ago here, right, mm-hmm. for Third Angle to play music for 18. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you know, talk about some serious. Thomas Svoboda was in the, in the orchestra, okay? Right, 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 right. Mm-hmm. But even, the, even these major cats, right, they, were, they, they didn't want to fuck up in, in front of Steve Rice because they had heard he was a tough guy and he'd chew him out. They didn't want to be embarrassed and all that stuff. Of course, when he showed up, he was just a New York guy who knew what he wanted. That's all, right, right, That's right, all right. it was, mm-hmm. right? And, and so everything was fine. But still, there was that, you know, at the beginning, that, 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 that you know, they, they had that, you know, they, they, they were not scared, but they were, you know, they, they, they didn't want to get shit on. Right, right, right. Yeah, I mean... I, <laughs> By Steve Rice, I understand of all people, that. You know? I understand that. Yeah, well... Yeah. So these, these, these kids see you as a major cat, right? Well, you know, it's interesting because Lonnie Plaxico said this to me a long time. He said, I yeah. only get nervous when I don't know what I'm doing. There you go. And so that's the thing. If you've right. prepared properly, mm-hmm. if you're really ready to be there, there's no reason to be nervous. Yeah. You know? yeah. And I think that's one thing. Some people just don't prepare enough. It's uh-huh. like, how much are you really, did you really, did you do your homework? Right. You know? or, or, and then the other thing, too, is being able to pay attention. Yeah. So oftentimes, the people are only, they're paying so much attention to their own playing. And this is really a danger in jazz playing, is that if you're only listening to yourself, mm. you're screwed. Yeah. Because you have to listen to everybody else. Yeah. And that's where most people get lost, because they're just in their own world, you know, playing their part, and they're like, mm-hmm. "Oh," and then they, re- uh, then they're like, "Where is everybody?" You know, that sort of thing. <laughs> like if you, if, like if you're at a party, I mean, this is funny because at, at Port Townsend, the party analogy was used a lot. Like, how do you function at a party or in yeah. a conversation or whatever? Yeah. Like, if if it's always a monologue, and there's no, eventually people are just going to leave. Well, that was the sound of my computer crashing at the end of our conversation. Thank you, George, for spending time with us. So instead of goodbyes, we'll leave you with a Colligan trio piece called Space Gives You Time, featuring George on piano, Rudy Royston on drums, and Johannes Wiedenmuller on bass. Mm-hmm. 